and it reminded me of a story that I read about. A very rich man was determined to buy his mother a very special Christmas gift. And he read in the paper about a bird that had a vocabulary of 4,000 words, could sing country songs, and speak in three languages. So he bought it for his mother, and he paid $50,000 for that bird. He had it delivered to his mother. He called later to see how he liked, she liked her gift. He said, hey, Mom, what did you think of the bird? She said, son, it was delicious. <laughs> sort of... Uh, Anyway, that, uh, I thought that was an interesting gift to get, for sure. Well, you know what? I'm speaking from Mark today as well, from Mark chapter 4, uh, beginning to read at verse 35 through 41, and this is the word of God. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This account in the Gospel of Mark is, is the first of a series of four miracles recorded in this section of Mark. And we are told that Jesus and his disciples had a very long day, and uh, he was teaching by the lakeside. And Mark tells us in the opening of this chapter that Jesus had been using parables to teach many things about the kingdom of God. And they still didn't get it. They still didn't have the faith needed to weather out the storm. And the story of Jesus calming the storm on the Lake of Galilee is a wonderful teaching about life in the hands of God. The story reminds us that God is in control. God, who created the land and the sea, has the power to calm the very sea he created. We've all had that sinking feeling, haven't we? We've all had our share of storms in life. We don't like storms. We're people who like to be entertained. None of us like storms. But there are different type, types of storms, especially in this time where there's this ubiquitous blanket of COVID that has covered our earth and caused so many people to, to fear and to, and to live in wonderment and, and discouragement. But there are various types of storms in life. There's situational storms. This is when circumstances seem to plot against you and everything seems to go wrong. Have you ever seen that? It's like Murphy's Law is in full force and everything seems to go wrong at once. Have you ever been there? I certainly have. 
Some of you know, before I began my ministry here at First uh, uh, Naz Church, I was part of a ministry that involved uh, me traveling just about every week. And I was on a plane maybe two or three times a month traveling somewhere. And during my travels, I've had some pretty bizarre ex- happenings on airplanes. I remember one occasion when I was flying from... Um, Vietnam into uh, Siem Reap in Cambodia. And um, the, as the pilot made an approach in, it was a small plane. It was like w- about maybe 20 seats, one row on each side. And I happened to be in the front seat. And then right in front of the cockpit was the, f- the flight attendant sitting there not very far, about from here to there from me, and all of a sudden the plane hit the ground and then went right back up. And I thought, Lord, I'm coming home, but I was hoping I'd leave from Canada. You know, it was one of these things. And my cup, my cup of coffee was all over my knee, my hot knee. She passed me an emergency book to start reading because I was next to the emergency exit and she got the other one out. It was a bit unnerving, to say the least. Another time when I was flying from Hong Kong, seven and a half hours into the flight, the captain comes on. You never want to hear the captain when you're flying over the Pacific, and he says, you know, the compressor in two of the engines is not working. We tried to land in Osaka, but they wouldn't give us permission. Now, this was seven and a half hours into the flight, but they said... In two and a half hours, we'll be arriving back in Hong Kong. Not fun. These aren't the words you want to hear. You know, you begin to fear and wonder, am I ever going to make it home? And then I was flying from Kansas City into Boston, and we hit a storm like there was never a storm. The, The walls on the plane were rattling like this, and it was just the same week that the, if you remember, Uh, the plane that crashed in the Potomac River in Washington landed there safely. It was that week. So obviously, fear was very dominant in our thinking because of what we had just experienced. But you know what? Through all of this, I never once went into the cockpit to find out if the pilot was sleeping. I always felt there was someone in control. Someone was going to land this plane. And um, throughout all my travels and all the close calls I've experienced, I've always had faith in the pilots. And I've had faith. But you know, I don't think it's something you would normally do is to go in and check to see what the pilot is doing. But In this scripture this morning that we're reading, we have Jesus, the pilot of the boat, so to speak, asleep in the cockpit, on a pillow. And I'm sure that didn't give uh, the disciples a very comfortable feeling. So there are situational storms and there are relational storms. This is when there's tension between people, when relationships have been strained to the breaking point. Parents and children, husband and wives, co-workers, bosses, the clashing. And during this pandemic, I, I read a statistic that the people applying for divorce was up 122% over 2020. 
in 2021, 122% conflicts, relational storms that we face in our lives. And then there are emotional storms, and, and they're often hidden from the surface. We have a nice smile, but inside we're seething or boiling in distress, paralyzed by fear, what if? Overcome by guilt, raging with anger, consumed with worry or jealousy. These are the emotional storms of life. But the Bible says three things about the storms of life that I, I want to get to before we look at the text. Storms in our lives are inevitable. They will happen. You will experience them. If you're not in a storm right now, sorry to tell you, just wait. You will be in a storm. They're part of life. James 1, 2 says this, when you face trials, it doesn't say if you face trials, but when you face trials, you can count on it. You will face storms in life, and nobody goes through life sailing easy from cradle to grave. We all have tough times and experience tough times. And then storms are unpredictable. They will come suddenly. They come unexpectedly. I remember one Christmas going back to Newfoundland and the boat trip that normally takes seven hours took 24 hours. They had to drop anchor 25 miles off of, the, of Port of Basque. I was certainly glad to get on that rock after we get off that boat. The waves were like mountains, you know. You'd feel the pressure going to your head and back to your feet. Unexpected, and they're unpredictable. And you know, storms are impartial. They happen to good people. They happen to bad people. They happen to believers, and they happen to non-believers. I was at my audiologist, and... Uh, there was a lady with a man there, and they were chatting, and she started talking to me, and I was asking how she was doing, and, and she was saying, life is really hard. She was really struggling, and she said, I feel like I'm being punished all the time, and I don't know what I did. I'm a good person, but it just seems that nothing's working out for me. And I said, well, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Well, she said, that's brilliant. Did you just make that up? And I was going <laughs> Um, no, it's in the Bible. She said, where in the Bible? I said, so I got my phone out and I said, in Matthew 5, and it says this, he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. She said, I was meant to hear that today because she thought every time something happened, there's this misconception that people have that the only time that they have tough times is when they're disobeying God, but that's not true. The disciples got into the storm because they obeyed God. Jesus said, get in the boat. And they got in the boat and they sailed right into the storm. They were obeying God. They were in the center of his will and they were right in the middle of the storm. And when you're going through a tough time, don't automatically assume that you must be out of the will of God. You may be exactly where God wants you to be. The fact is, God has not promised us a storm-free life. This is not heaven, where everything will be perfect and where God's will is perfectly done. 
We have choices. We are people who make mistakes. And people get hurt. And that's why we're to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because it's done perfectly in heaven. And God has not guaranteed us a storm-free life. So if storms are inevitable and unpredictable and impartial, then the issue really becomes, what is my response going to be to the storms that I face in life? There are two ways that we can respond to a storm. They are seen in this story and the way the disciples responded and the way uh, how Jesus responded. One responded in fear, one responded in faith, and one trembled and the other trusted. When I face storms, I can be filled with panic. Um, you know, you can enter into the, the what-if stage. What if this and what if that? I went to my doctor, and uh, I said, you've sent me for some blood work, and then I said, well, will you call me about that? Oh, he said, only if there's something wrong. You know, no news is good news. That was on Thursday. Friday, I get a call from the office. The doctor wants to see you on Monday. So what if starts taking over? And I'm praying, saying, Lord, I, I preached on this from Philippians, you know. Not it's whatsoever things are true, just lovely, of good report. Think on these things. And I said, Lord, don't let me go down this detour of anxiety of what ifs. Lord, just help me to trust. But you know what? It's a storm. It's a battle. That's part of, of life. And we struggle sometimes with the what-ifs in our lives. And so when I went in, there was a scripture in the entryway. He has scripture on his walls um, in Hebrew. Uh, he's a, a Jew, Polish Jew. And, um, and there was a proverb there that was really encouraging to me. And then the next one was a, a, a psalm. And I thought, wow, this, this is just amazing. And when he, he told me, I, I thought, well, okay, give me the news. What is it? You know? He said, um, did you have cake before you had your blood work done? I went, what? Well, your sugar is just up, the levels are up. He said, you know, and I just thought, well, maybe Christmas coming, you got to be careful. I said, can I hug you? He said, yeah, so we just stood there and hugged. But you know what? These guys, the disciples went and they woke Jesus up. They were filled with panic. And he said, we're going to drown. These guys were not novices. They'd been out on the sea lots of times. They'd been through many storms, but evidently this was a life-threatening one that had them really scared. We're goners. We're going to die. That shows the intensity. It says they panicked, they got uptight, they got afraid, and this is our re typical reaction when a storm comes, but there is an alternative to being filled with panic. When I face a storm, I can be filled with peace. Look at the contrasting reaction of Jesus in verse 38. But Jesus was asleep on the pillow, sleeping in a storm. You talk about peace, but it also shows the humanity of Jesus, for one thing. It shows that he got tired, that he was fatigued. After a full day of ministering and teaching and preaching, he was exhausted. And so he lays down and he takes a nap. If you ever wondered if Jesus can identify 
with your fatigue, this is the answer to that question. But more than that, I think this is a picture of complete trust in God. Jesus was not worried at all about the storm. He was set an example by the very fact of his sleep, teaching a lesson to his disciples. Do you think Jesus knew that there was going to be a storm before he could even get into the boat? I think he did. Without a doubt. Of course he knew. He knew that they were sailing right into a storm. But he says, I'm going to take a nap, guys. You know, it's kind of cool when you think of it, eh? Look, I've had a rough day. So I'm just going to take a nap. He knows exactly what's going to happen. I'm beat. It's part of his plan to teach a lesson about faith. You see, nothing ever surprises God. Your prayer, I said to Carol, I think he read my notes. God, I'm going bankrupt. He knows. God, I'm having problems. He saw them coming. Nothing ever surprises him. It's ironic to me that Jesus is sleeping in the storm because one of the telltale signs that to know that you're in the storm is you start losing sleep. And we're in storms, we, we lay awake at night and tossing and turning, going over it in our minds and trying to figure out and worrying about the what-ifs. I can be in a panic or I can be at peace when I face a storm. I remember growing up, one of my childhood stories, when we had a thunderstorm, my mother would get us all up, get us all dressed, and we couldn't sit on the couch in the kitchen. Every couch had, kitchen had a couch because there was a metal frame on it. And so we had to sit in the middle of the kitchen floor. And sometimes a neighbor would arrive with their kids because there, maybe the husband wasn't home. But you know, my dad slept. He'd sleep through the whole storm, but mom had us all up and dressed. She was terrified. The fact is, sometimes sleeping can be a statement of faith. You say, God is too big. It's too big of a problem. I can't handle it. It's your problem. Now, I'm, going, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go to bed. That's a statement of faith. God, I, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but... I'm going to bed. I'm going to leave it in your hands. Where in the world do you get that kind of peace in a storm? You get that kind of peace when you apply the principles taught in the past, this passage. How do you make it through the storm? When your ship is sinking, what do you do? They're simple, but they're profound. Remember God's presence that he is near, that he is with you, that you're not by yourself. They had nothing to fear. Jesus was in the boat. Do you think God was going to let that boat sink with Jesus in it? I don't think so. Jesus Christ was there with them, experiencing the storm with them. And if you're going to make it through the storm, the first lesson you've got to learn is that God is always with me.
He talks about being yoked together with you. There will be nothing that I face in the rest of my life that I face alone because God is with me. Jesus is in my boat. We tend to forget that in the storms. We think we're all alone. We think that God is far away, that God has promised every believer, lo, I am with you always. God has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 43, 1, 2 says, Fear not, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. What a promise. You don't need to worry if Jesus is in your rocking boat. And rest in God's care. This is the second great lesson that we must learn if we're going to make it through the storms. God cares about when I, what I go through. Repeat this over to yourself. God cares about what I am going through. He knows all about it. How much does he care, you say? Well, read the 7,000 promises in the word of God. He cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care in him because he cares for you. The one thing the disciples did right in our passage, when they got afraid, they took their fears to Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one that could do anything about it. And rely on God's providence. Let his power see you through. In Mark 4, 39, it says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it became completely calm instantly. It was quiet. There's actually two parts to this miracle. The wind died down, and the water became like glass. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were in Prince Edward Island, and there was a hurricane, and we were at the cottage on the shore. And I thought, I want to go out, I want to experience the wind, you know? It was, it was just totally amazing. Uh, trees were uprooted, and... and uh, Garages were up, torn apart and everything. And I went out, and these old jowls of mine were actually slapping my face. It was something else to experience. But you know what? When the hurricane went through, the waves were still. The water was still rough, even after the wind stopped. But here, Jesus said, be quiet and be still. The disciples had seen Jesus do one miracle after another. They, of all people, should have known he was competent and capable to handle this situation too. There was no need to be afraid. If you're going to make it through the storm in life, know that God is in control. God is with you. God cares about what you are going through. We don't understand the storms. Many things we're not going to understand until we get to heaven, but God is in control. Fear comes when we experience things in life that are beyond our control. But the good news that the Bible tells us is that things are beyond control, are not beyond God's control. And that's good news. I can't control everything that happened to me, I can't control everything that happened to my family, to my friends, to my church. But God is in control. And that's a storm reliever for me.
Jeremiah says this, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing is too difficult for you. Before they got into the boat, Jesus said to the disciples, we're going to the other side. Now the very fact that he said they're going to the other side means that it was inevitable that they were going to reach the other side. He didn't say that it would be an easy trip. And he didn't say that you wouldn't be wet, but he said you will get to the other side. And if he said they were going to make it, they'd make it. You of little faith, Jesus said, why are you so afraid? And Jesus told the disciples two things. One, the root of your problem is fear. And two, the solution to your problem is faith. The greatest threat to the lives of the disciple was not the storm. It was their unbelief and their fear in the storm. Their secret of their survival was faith. And it's not the amount of faith you have. It's what you put your faith in that makes a difference. Everybody has faith. It's just what you put it in that makes the difference. You don't need a lot of faith. Just a little faith will do. You put a little faith in a big God, and you get big results. So Jesus rebuked the storms, then he rebuked the disciples, you of little faith. And it's interesting to me that never in the Bible do we find Jesus rebuking somebody for having too much faith. Can you believe God for too much? Can you have too much faith? The problem was always a lack of of faith, And I think God is pleased when we go to our limit and then we know it's going to be impossible because then he gets the opportunity to show you his power. You've never believed God until you've done something that can't be accomplished in the power of the flesh. And so the scriptures I'd like to leave with you this morning in John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And John 16, 33, In this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And lastly, God has said, Never will I leave you, Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. As we begin this new year, let's go forward with that determination and that faith, realizing that God in his divine providence has already prepared the way for us. We are his workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for each one of us. So as we live each day, seeking his purpose and his presence for our lives, remember this, that he will calm the storms. He will take us through the storms. He doesn't promise us that there won't be any. But you know what? He never wastes the storms either. In my situation with the doctor and waiting for the results, I had a whole new empathy for those who are waiting for test results from their doctor, the what-ifs. And so never underestimate the power of God that's available to each one of us as we walk this journey of faith. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, you know the storms we're in. You know the what-ifs that plague our 
minds and rob us of sleep. But Lord, we also know that you can quiet the storm. And Lord, you are as close as our breath. And you will never fail us. And so we thank you for that promise and that hope today in Jesus' name. Amen.